Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you on a Friday afternoon. Our number here, 403-974-TALK. That's 974-8255. We've got more time for your phone calls coming up later in this hour. I do want to let you know as well, 2 o'clock this afternoon, an important conversation about addiction, about hope, about second chances. Brant Myers, former NHL enforcer, was banned for life from the NHL. He's now 13 years sober, though. He's working as a sobriety coach with the LA Kings. And he's written about uh, his life, his experiences, a new book called Painkiller, the memoir of big league addiction. We'll get to that conversation two o'clock this afternoon. But off the top in this hour, I want to get back into uh, what's been an emotional conversation for Canadians for some years now. Uh, And it's a conversation that continues. Uh, Medical assistance in dying. And uh, of course, there were those who were fighting for a long time uh, to give Canadians this right. And many who uh, didn't live to see the change that was finally brought about by a Supreme Court of Canada decision. But even in the aftermath of that decision, I think we've still been trying to navigate all of this. How is this going to work exactly? Uh, For whom should this be available or not available? And so that brings us to Bill C-7, which was just passed this week by the Senate, 66 to 19, three abstentions. And so this was a question about how and whether to expand access to medical assistance in dying. So someone who was a part of that debate, obviously, and uh, had a really interesting uh, speech the other day, laying out her thoughts and, you know, trying to to find the right balance on this issue. Very pleased to welcome the program here this afternoon, uh, Paula Simons, who is an independent senator, one of Alberta's senators, of course. Paula Simons, great to have you with us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Well, it's nice to be back. It's been a while since you and I have spoken. I it has indeed, uh, and it's always good to speak with you, Paula. I mean, it's this is a heavy issue, to be sure, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on to, to join us here. Well, uh, it was an extraordinary couple of weeks in the Senate, I have to say. I know that a lot of people in Canada are very cynical about the Senate, and I know that historically there's been some justification for that cynicism, but I wish... Everybody could, you know, well, you can watch. They're all online. But, I mean, I wish people could watch and would watch some of the debate over the last two weeks about this very difficult bill. Uh, because I think you, I think people would be surprised to see the thoughtfulness, the nonpartisan nature of the debate, the way people grappled with this uh, really complicated moral issue from a variety of perspectives without any kind of whipped caucuses, everybody speaking their mind, everybody voting their conscience. It was, it was difficult democracy in progress. Yeah. 
So let's take a step back. And I mean, I, I set it up a little bit, but just so people understand the context here, because I, I think to a lot of people, we just assumed, okay, the Supreme Court legalized uh, medical assistance in dying. That's that, but far from it. So what were the circumstances that led to this debate? What was C7 all about? Well, people may remember that back in 2015, in the Carter decision, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that people had a constitutional right uh, to life, liberty, and security of the person, which included the right to make end-of-life decisions. And the court said that it should no longer be a criminal offense for physicians to assist people with medical aid in dying. And the court was extremely... um, I mean, libertarian in, in the in the traditional sense of the word. I mean, the court basically said that if you were a person of sound mind and you could give informed consent, and if your suffering was grievous and irremediable, that you should have a right to physician-assisted death. Now, the government brought forward a bill, C-14, which is before my time in the Senate, which went part of the way. It allowed medical aid in dying for people who were already in the process of dying, people for whom death was imminent or reasonably foreseeable. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what the court said in 2015. In 2015, the court said that this should be available to anyone whose suffering was irremediable, uh, grievous, uh, enduring, and and sort of, you know, beyond the limits of, of human endurance. And so a number of people went to court to say, hey, you know, I have a degenerative disease. I would say one of the plaintiffs had post-polio syndrome. Other plaintiffs had uh, arterial lateral sclerosis and said, look, that's not what the Supreme Court said in Carter. We want a further right so that when we say that our suffering has become more than we can bear, we want the right to a dignified death and a medical assistance in, in terminating our lives. And the government came up with a bill that this time went almost all the way to what the Supreme Court had said. It still doesn't allow you uh, medical aid in dying if your sole underlying medical condition is a mental illness, which the bill does not define. Um, So the bill came to us in the Senate, and people in the Senate were very deeply divided um, because there are some who felt that the bill didn't go far enough, that it shouldn't have excluded people with mental illness, And some, including Senator Pamela Wallen, felt that the bill didn't go nearly far enough because it didn't do anything to help people who had a disease like Alzheimer's, where they're going to get worse and worse, but their death is not reasonably foreseeable. And by the time they're really ill, they don't have the capacity to consent anymore. So Mm -hmm. she wanted advanced directives. There were other people who felt the bill went far too far, that by saying that people with disabilities could request medical aid in dying, even if their conditions were not terminal, that we were sending a message to people with disabilities that their lives were not worth living. And there were people who raised concerns um, that, you know, what did this say about the rights of all disabled Canadians if we're saying that, you know, to be disabled is so bad, you're better off dead. So there were people who opposed the bill for a variety of reasons. And, uh, And the debate was really a very difficult one because it's very difficult to walk that line of respecting everybody's rights simultaneously. And, yeah, and and so I think you you had a really thoughtful approach to this because I I get the sense you were trying to take 
take all of these sides into consideration. And, you know, this is an issue that I feel like a dodecahedron. I have very many sides, you know? Yeah. Right. Because this doesn't fit neatly into any kind of political or partisan debate. And and I know there are religious considerations, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of voices that represent uh, disabled Canadians had a lot of concerns about this. So people are coming from different perspectives, but it's not a, a right left or a conservative liberal kind of issue. But it does speak to something kind of fundamental, the question of what would we want in that position? What kind of responsibility do we have to others? So what was the kind of the determining factor as far as you're concerned? Well, you know, everybody comes at this from a very different personal place. And we're all, I mean, our attitudes towards this are very much informed by our own religious backgrounds or lack of religious backgrounds and our own personal life experience. I come to this from a perspective of being an agnostic non-believer. I don't have any particular religious faith that tells me that this should be left to God. And I come to this from the perspective of having watched both of my parents die very long, slow, uncomfortable deaths. Uh, my mother, in particular, had a terrible, terrible death. And um, watching that, uh, I, I know that I don't, you know, I not only do I not want a death like that for myself, I don't want to put my family through the agony of watching a death like that. Um, and so for me, you know, I I hate to use the word libertarian because now it means like a crazy racist person. That's not what I mean by libertarian. I mean libertarian in the John Stuart Mill sense of people having control over their own bodies and their own lives. And I believe that we all have control over our own bodies and our own lives, and that we should have the right to say when we have had enough. And that if we are of sound mind and can give rational consent, and if our sufferings are unendurable to us, that we should have the right to medical aid in dying. That's my personal belief. At the same time, I'm really very concerned about some of the arguments that have been raised by the disabled community, which said, you know, to us loud and clear, you know, you put us in long-term care facilities. We don't have enough money for AIDS. We have a rotten quality of life in part because we don't have the financial and the medical supports that we need. And we don't want to be sort of, you know, coerced, bullied, shivied into the grave by people saying, well, you know, your, your quality of life isn't very good, so why don't you end it all? And, you know, there were very disturbing stories of people who said that, you know, that at one point physicians or worse, hospital administrators had come to them and suggested that maybe they'd be, everybody would be better off if they just accepted medical aid and dying. I mean, clearly, we cannot live in a society uh, where people are are pushed into an early grave. The whole point of medical aid and dying was supposed to be to give people more agency and autonomy. Right. And with something like this, you, you got to get it right. You know, and that's, yep. that's the thing, because when we hear the warnings or the slippery slope arguments, we don't know until years later whether they're going to turn out to be true. Yeah. You know, I mean, Canadians are good at slippery slopes. If there's one thing we can do, it's to navigate slippery slopes well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But this is this is really difficult because you've got two people, you know, two people coming before you, making an impassioned argument, and the one person says, "I have a degenerative chronic condition. It's awful. I have no, you know, I have no physical liberty. I'm in constant pain. It's only going to get worse. You know, for the next, you know, maybe I'll die in five years or seven years, and those five or seven years are going to be terrible." 
for me and terrible for my family, and why should I have to put up with that because of somebody else's religious scruples? And I'm right with them. And at the same time, I heard from lots of people who said to me, my life seems unbearable sometimes, but that's mostly because of social prejudices against people with disabilities. It's because of lack of resources and, you know, money and, you know, having the aids that I need to take care of me. Uh, and so, you know, God forbid that anybody should feel that, that they, you know, they take this way out to save their family money or because or because, you know, they, they can't find a living caregiver. I mean, that should not be the determining factor. But I think we have, we cannot, we cannot force people to live in unbearable agony because, because other people don't have the rights they need. And so what I really called on my Senate colleagues to do and call on the government to do is to make sure that while we vote for medical aid and dying, which I did and which I do support, but at the same time, we have to have a really fundamental existential conversation about the way people with disabilities are treated in our society. Um, you know, we could stop nickel and diming over federal disability payments and age payments and making sure that people living with disabilities you know, have the, the, the economic foundation to have lives worth living. In the wake of COVID-19, we need to have a deep, fundamental conversation about the way long-term care works in this country, um, because if we had a really good long-term care program, maybe people wouldn't feel so uh, that they wanted to end their lives, because maybe they would enjoy a, a, you know, a, a quality of life that would make life worth living. But I think... I think you can't, in the meantime, hold people who are in suffering agony hostage and say, well, you have, you know, you have to endure years and years of, of real physical distress because we can't get the age formula right. Now, as it pertains to the Senate and business in the Senate, we've talked about this before. So the Senate can pass legislation, and, and that's that. Uh, the Senate can vote against legislation, which sends it back to the House of Commons for possible amendments. And, and that might have been an option here to say, maybe make this bill better. Um, well, but I guess at this do. point, I mean, we, right? Yeah. No, we passed, we passed a number of amendments that I think make yes. the bill better. So now we sent the bill back to the House. The House is, my understanding, will deal with it on Tuesday and decide which of our amendments to accept or reject, and then it will come back to us, and then we will have to have a very deep conversation in the Senate, because there are some people who believe, and I'm among them, that if they don't accept, for example, we, we impose an amendment, I shouldn't say impose, we support an amendment, um, which would uh, put a sunset clause on the bill so that people whose sole, uh, who sole cause of suffering is mental illness. We felt that that language was too exclusionary, that it was unconstitutional. And so our compromise, rather than defeat the bill, was to say to the government, okay, we're giving you 18 months to figure out a way to make sure that people with mental and neurological illnesses can have access to MAID in a way that is safe and responsible. So we've given them 18 months, which is a, a tight timeline, but then again, you know, they've had since 2015 and the Carter decision to figure this out. So if the government doesn't accept that amendment, I'm not sure I can vote for the bill because I think it's unconstitutional on its face. 
But, you know, there are there are constitutional crises that arise. If the Senate can't just get up on its hind legs and start defeating government legislation willy-nilly, um, we have to use that power with extreme uh, caution. We have to be extremely conservative in the, again, in the classical sense, not the political sense, um, in how we use our extraordinary power to defeat legislation. So, you know, the amendment, for example, uh, which was Pamela Wallen's amendment, which I supported to have advanced directives for people with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, I don't think the government is going to accept it. And I understand that. I, I think the issue probably does need more debate and discussion. And um, if so, if, if they don't accept that amendment, uh, our, our purpose in voting for the amendment was to send a loud and clear message to the, to the government that they need to they need to deal with with that issue. Um, another amendment, which I think is perfectly straightforward and I hope they will accept, is, is you know one that has to do with how they're collecting data about who um, who volunteers for you know who, who requests medical aid in dying, so that you know that we're tracking. Um, so it was it's an important amendment. I don't want to I don't want to diminish it, but it's not a it's not a profound philosophical amendment. It's an amendment to improve the bill by making sure that we do good record keeping. So I think that's the kind of amendment that they're likely to accept. Okay. So, as you say, this uh, this conversation will continue, but uh, we got to leave it there for today. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really do appreciate Take care, this, Paula. Thanks. You as well. Uh, there you go. That is uh, Senator Paula Simons, uh, one of Alberta's uh, senators. Uh, she is uh, an independent senator and some really interesting thoughts on a difficult conversation. Let's continue that conversation. You want to weigh in, 403-974-8255. Got some other issues to get to as well. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.